This episode of the Dreamer K podcast is brought to you by From Within Records. July 24th, the One Scene Unity Comp Volume 2 drops, and I couldn't be any more excited. It's just around the corner. So for everybody who's not following From Within Records on social media, I highly suggest you boot up your Twitter, your Instagram, and click that follow button to stay up to date on all the current news. There's bands dropping their artwork to promote their tracks on the comp, and it's super awesome to see. I I, I can't wait for the remainder of the bands to get theirs out there. It, it, it's fun, and it's just going to be another highlight of my summer. So shout out to From Within Records for putting this comp together again. It, it's seriously something that I've been looking forward to for a really long time. So mark your calendars. June 24th, it's coming really soon. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us. On today's episode, I tracked down our good friend Joey Shiramonte. He sings for Koyo, tour manager for Vane, just all around a, a great guy. The last time we had him on the podcast, it was just one of those episodes that just resonated with me and it, it meant a lot to me. I'm a huge fan of Koyo and just being able to talk to Joey and for him to be such a great guy and an open book when it comes to the band. It's super awesome and fun for me just to be able to pick his brain. And on the lead up to the new record drives out east, I, I just knew that I had to have Joey back on the podcast and I'm so happy that he was willing to come back on the podcast and just answer every question that I had about the band. It was super fun. So for anybody at, at this point who hasn't had a chance to listen to Drives Out East by Koyo, seriously, don't even listen to this podcast yet. Literally hit pause and go listen to that record front to back. It, it, it's super awesome. Uh, listen to the record, dissect the lyrics, and then come back and hear Joey's perspective. It, it was really great for him to be able to answer every question that I had. We seriously break down the record and it was super fun for me. It, it makes me like the record even more than I did before. So strap in and enjoy this conversation. And without further ado, welcome Joey Shiramonte to the show. Welcome back to the podcast, Joey. How's it going? Fucking awesome, dude. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. I'm psyched on this. Oh, I, I appreciate you doing it on uh, such short notice. Uh, I obviously really enjoyed our first conversation, and I always knew that I wanted to have you back on the podcast. But, um, you know, obviously with all the uh, rollout of the new uh, Koyo album, I was just like, man, I have to ask Joey to come back on the podcast just because I was so stoked on the first single. And I was like, all right, I know the record's going to be good. There's no way that they could put out something bad at this point. So I, I reached out and here we are. So thank you. Hell yeah, dude. Again, thank you for having me. I'm obviously psyched on it. And like for, for me, really just any opportunity to fucking talk about the band and just talk in general gets me stoked. I'm a fucking talker. I know how I am. So I, again, I appreciate you always repping and having me back on. Obviously, it's been like a a crazy week or weeks rather just rolling out this record. So I'm I'm psyched. You, you picked the perfect time, you know, to get back to it. 
Okay, so I I kind of just want to get um, your mindset because uh, I, I had you on last year. Uh, it was like August, uh, so like last summer. Um, obviously, we were in a pandemic. Things were um, pretty insane. Uh, but fast forward to now, uh, things are a lot better. Uh, it, it almost seems like COVID's not even a thing anymore. But I'm just curious, uh, you know, how are things going out there for you? Are, are things, um, you know, uh, better? I, I know there's tours happening, and I, I know that you used to tour manage some bands. I'm not sure if that's still the case. So things are significantly better uh, out here. Obviously, I'm in New York, uh, particularly Long Island. And I got vaccinated, I want to say, like, March. Because I'm actually, I don't, I don't think I mentioned this on the first podcast, but I'm a type 1 diabetic. So I'm technically uh, immunocompromised. So when that first wave of, uh, I, I guess, like, compromised people, uh, vaccinations went out, I obviously got vaccinated and uh, pretty much from that day on, my life got significantly better, literally immediately, because obviously there was like peace of mind that came with that. And uh, as I saw vaccines rolling out in New York, because New York has a really high vaccination rate. It's like well above like 70 percent. Like it's it's something awesome and ridiculous. Um, uh, as I saw all that roll out, I literally watched like New York and Long Island like snap back to life. And it, it's pretty cool. Things are great out here. Um, as far as like touring and stuff goes, like there's a lot of plans for the fall. Um, Koyo obviously isn't playing until late August for our record release shows, but the actual like first show back on Long Island formally, uh, yeah, there, there have been like little things here or there, but like I guess the, the Amityville Music Hall reopening show happens tomorrow, uh, I think actually Thursday the 8th. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I forget if it's tomorrow or Friday, but it's uh, Vinnie Caruana playing this band Interlove, uh, Victory Garden. And a couple other bands. I'm definitely forgetting shit um, off the top of my head, unfortunately. But ultimate point is like it, it things are snapping back to normal, and it rules. Hell yeah, that's uh, that's actually um, super great to hear, uh, which is uh, awesome because obviously uh, last time we talked, you know, there was like talks of maybe venues closing and you know controversial shows happening out there. So I, I'm just uh, really stoked that uh, almost a year later and things are um, uh, you know in a completely different place. Yeah, dude, every if, miraculously, uh, all the venues on Long Island seem to have survived except uh, Revolution Bar and Grill. Rip, uh, now it's a church, but I also heard, I don't know if this is true, I, and if, if by chance Long Island kids are listening to this, I, I don't want to like let anyone down because this is just, you know, someone mentioned this to me in passing, but allegedly a friend of a friend of a friend told me they might maybe let us do shows still. I don't know if that's true at all. It could just be total bullshit, but if that happens dope and on top of that on top of venues surviving which is already amazing new venues seemed whether it be like halls or like like vfw halls or like different bars and stuff a lot of places i think are hurting for money so we have new options for booking shows that i think are going to roll out over coming months and over the next year uh aside from the usual spots and even the return i don't i don't know how consistent this is but a, a spot called 89 north that did a lot of shows in like 2013 2014 like really like bigger hardcore shows usually, but great shows um, is doing a Menzinger show this fall. And maybe that means more shows there. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to go. Cause I want to go back to that spot. Cause it ruled. It was a great spot. Hell yeah. I, I think it's better to have more options instead of, you know, people having, uh, you know, less ones. And I'm, you know, thinking about, Oh shit, hopefully they survive. But the fact that um, I'm hearing about, um, you know, older venues opening back up and 
uh, having more options at, at these VFW halls. I, I think that's really great because, yeah, the, the pandemic definitely hurt a lot of people. So this is going to be a really interesting time to see where um, this whole thing kind of shifts towards. Yeah, th- this is working as like kind of like a little renaissance period, which honestly, I think I, I think most people predicted this. It's not like it's this totally inconceivable thing. Like, obviously, everyone assumed when the world snapped back to or at least I, I, I don't want to say the world. That's the wrong way to put it, because actually all over the world, there things are still chaos and hell. But at least in America right now, things are snapping back to some sense of normal. And everyone predicted that, you know it would be crazy. And it has indeed been crazy. Like you look at the last month of shows that have happened all over the country. It's like, it, it, it's it's like nothing ever happened. It came back even stronger than it was. And that itself is like exciting and inspiring, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want to put on like my tinfoil hat, but I'm just kind of like, you know, it, it all happened really fast. Cause uh, just the, the point where it, like everything was shut down and things just felt so dangerous and, then just the, the shift back with like, you know, um, vaccines. And then like out here in California, we had this June 15th date of like these restrictions getting lifted. And it, it just, uh, um, which I'm totally fine with, like uh, with the way things are now, but it just seems like it happened so fast that like last year just kind of doesn't even seem like it really happened. Yeah, dude, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. It definitely all snapped back really fast. I mean, I mean, fr- I, I, I don't think I'm ruffling anyone's feathers saying that at this point, I mean, obviously if I'm in a setting where, it calls for it. I'll obviously respect it and throw on my mask. But most of the time, if I'm out in public right now, like most of New York, I'm not wearing my mask. Um, but I particularly remember being at the gym the day the mask mandate got lift. And I, I was uh, I forget what I was doing, but I, I had like a view of like the front door of my gym. And I literally was watching like all these like uh, I, ironically enough, probably people that shouldn't be doing this because it was mostly looked like teenagers and stuff who couldn't get vaccinated. But like uh, I was watching like kids walk in with a mask on. They look around, see that basically nobody was wearing their mask and they just rip it off with the like toothiest, like most evil grin. And I was like, oh, this feels bad. But I guess it's fine because in Suffolk County, New York, where I live, we're getting like 20 COVID cases a day, which is mathematically nothing. So. Everything is fine and well, <laughs> you know, like everything is great. Yeah. My first outing without like uh, wearing a mask in uh, public out here was when I went to Disneyland more recently with, with my buddy. And it was just so weird because, uh, you know, for a, a year straight, we were so used to like, you know, you can't go anywhere without wearing a mask. You're not going to be allowed into any of these businesses. You're going to look like a piece of shit if you're not wearing your mask. So when we rolled up to this, you know, this theme park and there's thousands of people and nobody's um, wearing a mask, we're just kind of like, wow, we feel like we're being like really bad. But it's just like, no, it's, it's like things are better now. This is OK. Um, and it, it was a really interesting experience. And yeah. I still wear my mask um, at places that require it. Like I, I still, I, I've yeah, never, of course, of yeah, course. Yeah. I, I've never had an issue to, to wear one. Like the, the, honestly, like one of the places that I frequent the most these days is this uh, mall where I, I, I go, you know, shopping and eating a lot. Um, and um, every business still re- requires people to wear a mask if you're vaccinated or not. And that's fine by me. I don't care. Like I, I, I still carry it with me when I go there. Cause I know uh, the rules that these businesses want to hold up and yeah, it's seriously not an issue for me. Yeah, and, and dude, like, like it was the entire time that the pandemic was at its peak in America. It's like it to me. It, this entire time, it's been a non-issue. I never gave a fuck. It made perfect sense. It's like, yo, wear a fucking mask. It's just logical shit. So if it makes people around me more comfortable, or if like a business business that is you know paying fucking you know 
wage earning workers who are just trying to fucking get by. It's like trying to protect their workers, asking people to wear masks when you're in there. I'm down. I don't care. I don't care what the math of the stats are. If they ask, I'm totally down. I'm not going to put up a fuss or fight. That's just like ridiculous behavior, you know? So, yeah, 100%. Right? But obviously in most places right now, they're just aren't mandates of any kind like most businesses aren't even asking anymore which is you know obviously fine and well and great for the this returning feeling of normalcy um but you know it's just a respect thing in general it's like anything else like if someone feels a, a type of way about it like you throw the goddamn mask on it takes two seconds it doesn't fucking hurt anybody it's easy shit you know it ain't nothing yeah, it's usually uh, always worse to make like a big fuss because I I always love seeing those videos of people on in like early days of the pandemic, people just getting, you know, uh, you know trying to make a big fuss about not having to wear a mask and these uh, HIPAA violations and all this stuff. And I was just like, dude, oh yeah, dude, it's like you could have just that... put it on, got your shit, and left, and you wouldn't have, uh, you know, some people got arrested for you know I'm um, not following the rules. I was like, dude, I'm like, okay, you kind of deserve that. It, dude, it that ridiculous. shit's like chaos right now. Or, or, or was rather like mm-hmm. now it's not so much, but that shit was fucking chaotic. Yeah, the the, the vibe is so different because there's this uh, new strain uh, apparently um, uh, here the in the Cal- Delta variant. Yeah, right? yeah, out here in California, and literally nobody gives a fuck. Like uh, you know, before you would see uh, like driving down the highway, um, you know, uh, mask up, stay six feet apart, and n- you don't see that shit anywhere now. Like all the billboards are promoting like you know, don't text and drive, don't drink and drive. And um, you, seriously, traffic is back. Everybody's out and about, and it, it, it's nice to see. But it is um, pretty interesting to see the whole like um, perspective shift um, when it comes to talking about uh, the coronavirus or COVID nineteen. Yeah, for sure. I, and with with that Delta variant stuff, like I think, I mean, I I'm, I'm no fucking scientist or doctor. I, I have no fucking credibility for anything I say. It's not like I'm trying to spread any any type of misinformation or something, but I, I had a, I remember reading somewhere, I believe that like, although obviously the Delta variant is like just ravaging, like unvaccinated places or low vaccination rate places, Mm. apparently like in America between like people having gotten COVID before slash gotten vaccinated. It's like, although people are catching it still like with ease, despite being vaccinated, it's like down ticking in terms of like, uh, I guess like efficacy, like I I don't know if any of that's true. Again, I'm not trying to like, spread some misinformation, but basically something something or someone told me that basically it's like more or less not. It's a big deal. Like we got to be fucking careful. We can't fuck this up now that things are getting better. But like it's not a to. It, it's not like this doomsaying situation where Delta variant is just gonna pull the rug on all the progress that was made. But again, who knows? I'm no doctor. I don't know shit about shit. Yeah, that's just what I've heard in passing. And for anybody out there who's curious, go go do some research. Don't don't get your medical advice from us, because yeah, w- yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I am not the person you should be fucking listening to for just about anything in general. That is just something I heard in passing. For sure, I, I, I am not to be uh, not to be held accountable here. Okay, well, uh, you, I'm so stoked on uh, Koyo's new record, and I'm 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 curious, uh, how long have you guys been working on this record? Because I know. Uh, uh, some things were supposed to be, um, or you guys had been sitting on some announcements for for you know quite some time. So I, I'm just curious, um, you know, when this whole re- recording process took place. So I, I want to say like the actual like focused writing process on making these songs uh, started last summer once we actually got together, like post uh, 
post like first quarantine, if you want to say that, like maybe like May, June, when I was finally leaving my house again, we started practicing that summer and like we had some song ideas, some of which ended up on the CP. Um, but actually, technically speaking, the, the song Diamond One we put out as a single, me and T- that was a song that TJ wrote and him and I. Uh, for like all the painting words and the line stuff, we used to like jam just me and him. I would play drums and he'd play guitar. This is like before the newer effort and method of writing songs more collaboratively came to be. But at that time, like I want to say like summer 2019, we jammed on Diamond One in a way more primitive form. So that song's been in the chamber for a while. But I, I guess to cycle back to the actual question, I, I'd say it's been about a year of writing these songs. We wrote a bunch of songs. We have songs kind of like put aside for a, inevitable full length but we felt we were due for another ep before we even thought about making like a full record so that's kind of how this ep came to be yeah that's interesting yeah i, I wasn't sure which direction you guys were going to go with because i was kind of expecting um a, a full length since uh you know the, the um painting words and the lines got like such good praise a lot of i mean press a lot of people into that record so i, I was sure if you guys were just going to go you know full on with a full length um but we, we definitely thought about it you know mm-hmm. like it, it, we were we've been writing for a full length since summer last year. Like we probably, I, I we have like a little whiteboard at, at uh, Harold's apartment that has like a list of like all the song ideas we have and stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's something like, like we have, I think like almost 20 songs just sitting in the chamber that, and mind you, these aren't all totally realized songs. Some of these are just like, we haven't even like jammed on this yet or demoed this out yet, but we have a lot of song ideas. Um, but the songs that made the EP, we, a, after, once we kind of like caught a vibe for the EP in terms of like what we wanted it to be, what we wanted it to sound like, it kind of came came together really easily. Because again, Diamond One and Mariches, those are songs that TJ wrote. He kind of had those in the chamber for a long time, um, and those songs kind of have like a high energy to them and like an aggression to them. And like once we heard that and kind of figured out what those songs are, like DNA wise, we were like. It doesn't matter what we play on this EP, what the songs like sound like sonically, but this whole record needs to have some fucking venom and some grit because the record itself is very pissed in every fucking sense. Like we have a, a the last song is like an acoustic ballad, but that song is all fucking venom. That song is fucking furious and honestly kind of hateful. <laughs> you know, like it's it, like it, in terms of like context and what's written about and all that shit like uh we we felt with this whole time we made this EP, we referred to it as the Attitude EP because no matter what the songs end up, ended up sounding like, we wanted the record to have fucking attitude and like have a chip on his shoulder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely felt that um, listening to the um, album front to back that it, it felt like uh, it was like like very like cohesive, like all these songs. If, if that makes sense, for sure, for sure, that it definitely has like a. a a logical straight flow in terms of like what everything's about, like what the fucking vibe of the record is, the like cohesive work of the record. It, it, in, in my opinion, I think we, we, we did a good job like having that lay lay out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you guys killed it, and it, it um, you guys like continue to impress me, right? Because I'm uh, a, a fan of Koyo, and then I hear this record, and I'm like, holy shit! Like, how do these guys? Um, and obviously, like, I, I look at you guys, um, uh, and knowing that you guys are in other bands and um, you know, play other types of instruments, I was like, oh, these guys, uh, you know, I, I knew they were, were talented, but now when I hear this, I'm just like, holy shit! These guys are like more talented than I even thought. This is insane. Thank you. I and obviously, I, I appreciate that, and I know you've been repping since essentially day one which again appreciate that so much um but 
it's been a cool time. It's been a very exciting and difficult time to fucking figure all this shit out. But like, I, I'm very grateful that the record is now out and that the reception has been good so far. That people seem to like it. Um, because again, like we we started tracking the record in October. I want to say mm-hmm. it wasn't done till January. The mix wasn't done till April. Uh, or, or rather, we we tracked it from. October to January, that's like the engineering and producing phase. Then we sent it out to get mixed and mastered. That took another four months. Then we're trying to figure out a rollout plan. Things changed up last minute in terms of how we're putting it out. Originally, we were just going to drop the whole thing, but we decided to do singles instead and then lay it out. Like There was just so many moving parts that all were constantly switching up on almost like a day-to-day basis. And it, it honestly was very stressful. So again, glad it's fucking out and just in the world because for two seconds it felt like I I knew it would, but it almost like felt like it just would never happen. Yeah, I, I can only imagine trying to you know go through that process and having things switch up and it just kind of you know feel like holy shit is this like you know this ever ending like obstacles of like things going on. But no, I'm I'm happy you guys were able to stick it through and uh, you know make it work because yeah, I feel like th- this product is uh, like super awesome and. Uh, I, I'm super happy to see that you know, um, you know, Chris Reaney. I'm helping out with you guys with the, I'm um, you know, producing and engineering because I, I seriously, I'm you know, think he's like you know, amazing at what he does. Dude, he killed it. He's a, he's actually like a fucking god. Like he he uh, especially in terms of like mixing and fucking and and like getting drum sounds. Mm-hmm. Like he he's a master, dude. He he's absolutely the fucking king. Uh, him, him, and Evan, respectively, who also like works at that uh, same studio. It's it's like their collective studio on Long Island. Like, they can do it all, and they do it all so well. I I really have so much fucking respect for both of their respective crafts because they're they know what they're they know what they're doing. You know, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, when I saw his name on the band camp and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm not surprised and I'm happy that you know you're working with local people still and uh, you know keeping it together. I I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, Chris made the first EP what it was, you know, like it just made logical sense to include him in the next thing um, as well. And and honestly, like not that I think this is like super controversial to say or anything. It, you know, it's, this is the fun of podcast. You get a little in, inside intel, I guess. Uh, we, we wanted to have Chris mix the record as well. And honestly, we were going to like compare and contrast his mix and the mix that we got with Jesse that we actually put out. Um and maybe at a later date do like a like a re- kind of like a B-size release where it's like the Chris mix uh, that like uh, would follow, I guess. You, you know what I mean? Like have a different sound for the record, different take on the songs. Mm-hmm. Or even if we ended up going with Chris's mix, do the vice versa and have the Jesse mix come out at a later date in some way or another. Because like we just think the variance between the two mixes would be fucking cool. But unfortunately, deadlines came around. uh it was time to get the record pressed and we didn't really have the time to like see that idea through. So we just obviously went with Jesse's mix because it was done and we mm-hmm. loved how it sounded and believed in it. We're hyped on it, but you know, Chris very well himself could have gave if given the, the time and chance, I'm sure he would have fucking rocked a mix that would have absolutely fucking, you know, blew our socks off. Like he's an incredibly fucking talented engineer, producer, all the above. He's, he's the best man. Okay, uh, ten year anniversary for Drives Out East. Chris Reaney mix drops. Yeah, see that's that's <laughs> what it's all about. It's double LP deluxe edition. Drives Out East with a bunch of bonus tracks. That's when that shit gets dropped. 
Okay. All right. Well, we'll kind of tuck that idea away and hopefully um, it, it can happen because uh, there's like this weird um, you know time where this is just like, you know, I, like, you know, starting line, you found glory. It was like these back to back, like 10 year like tours and like all these like weird anniversaries. I'm like, holy shit, this makes me feel old. But also this is fucking awesome because I get to hear all these like albums that I loved growing up and I still love to this day. Um, you know, I get to yeah. hear it live. It's it's so sick. Dude, it's actually awesome. I, I, I really love the the anniversary tour gimmick just because like i don't know for some sometimes that's like your only chance to like hear records uh in full like hear songs that they otherwise wouldn't play i mean this isn't exactly the same thing mm -hmm. um but uh what the hell was it it was um what tour is i thinking of sorry i'm I'm like losing my train of thought right now oh uh i did a, a vein tour with thursday um like Two years ago now i guess two and a half years ago it was like the start of 2019 um and they played full collapse and war all the time like each album back to back like one night would be full collapse the next night would be war all the time and uh hearing those records in full every single night like back to back or, or i guess like night for night rather that's like one of my favorite touring and life experiences ever because i fucking love thursday vain and that whole camp loves Thursday. Like that was like a religious experience hearing those albums, like front to back, you know, fucking awesome shit. hundred percent. Cause there's like, you know, some like, you know, some like, uh, B sides that, uh, the band probably just doesn't really uh, play that much. So for you to be at a show like that and know that it's coming up and you finally get to hear it live. Yeah. The, I feel like those moments are just always special. Dude. Absolutely. Especially both those records, like have songs that I guess they just, I can only assume just don't frequently play. Like there's some songs on the later half of war all the time where like, I, I, I mean, I don't truly know because I only saw Thursday, I think once before that tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like, I don't, I don't know what their general set list choices are like, but I can only assume they're not playing the B sides of war all the time, all the time, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like that's, that's not a, not go-to picks. So. Okay. I will, I'll, I, I want to dissect this record because um, I have just so many questions. Uh, yeah, please run it. Go for it. I I feel like the the uh, cover art is just like really fitting because when I look at the cover art for um, painting words into lines, I'm I'm just kind of like, oh man, this band could sound like anything, right? But when mm -hmm. I, I I look at the cover art for uh, Drives at East, I'm like, hey, this looks like an emo record. Um, you know, I I kind of get this vibe like this is what it could sound like. It kind of just gives me more of an idea if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we spent a lot of time workshopping the album cover. It became, it, it literally like we had art in mind for it. I want to say as early as like last fall that Harold was working on. Cause he does all of our art, all of our merch, like, uh, our guitar player, Harold, just to clarify. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he's like, he, he actually also works with flat spot now and kind of does like their social media and a bunch of other stuff for them too. But he, he's pretty much like a, uh, graphic design head and is mad good at all that shit. Um, so he was kind of in charge on making the album cover from the jump, and he also obviously made Penny Words into Lines cover as well. Um, but with Drives Out East, we kept shifting through all these different ideas. What the first idea was way more like Penny Words into Lines. It almost was like a continuation cover wise. Um, same color schemes, but like the art style was kind of the same. And then we then we actually started taking all these film pictures. We had all these ideas with like different poses. I had like this like devil mask I was wearing in one of the the pictures. Um, and it was there was like a a whole like map 
photo that we took that we almost were going to use for the insert. There were all these ideas, I guess, that are way harder to articulate uh, than actually just show you. <laughs> but basically, like, we cycled through all this art, and eventually um, uh, my friend James, who also, like, works with the band and helps us out a lot, um, he basically, like, Harold had... I think it was Harold's idea. He was like, yo, like, what if we, we what if we had, like, a, a kid on the cover, like, James's kid, because, like, he's, like, a cute, like, phonogenic, like, like, toddler, and, like, we were like, what if we, like, took him and, like, basically, like, manipulated a photo of him and just made it look fucked up and made it look, like, just, you know, crazy, uh, I guess. it's uh, That's, like, the worst way to put it, but I guess that's the only words I can find for it right now, but the idea was basically, like, does James have any photos of his kid that we could use that like make for like kind of like a dramatic album cover? And James sent us a whole allotment of pictures. And then the slide picture was dope because we're like, Oh, this looks crazy. It like literally looks like he's like fucking like looking up at God or something. You know, he's like mm-hmm. you, the, the way the, the album's laid out, it's like the slide gets cut off and he's just like looking upwards. And like, not that this is literally what it's about, but in my head, I see that. And I'm like, Oh, like that's like, that's like a fucking kid like looking up at like real life. That's like the whole like you're looking at the the fucked up existence that is fucking being alive, you know? And like he's just a kid, he's innocent, like he doesn't like know how fucking hard it is to just exist in the world and be a fucking human. Like when I that that's like the type of fucking emotions that like I got when I saw that picture. And then Harold took it, manipulated the shit out of it, made it look like how it looks on the cover cuz it originally was just an iPhone picture. Mm-hmm. Um and then on the back cover for like the actual like printed record is that same kid Carson. And he kind of like has his like mouth open, like he's screaming and he's pointing at the camera, which is a pose that we did for one of the, uh, like, I guess like idea, uh, covers, like one of the ones that didn't make it, it was that same pose. And we were like, yo, we have to use this because like in just by sheer coincidence, this like works out the way we wanted, you know, uh, we, we wanted that pose. We wanted like, that like kind of abrasive like this kid is just looking right at the camera and pointing directly at you as in you the listener you the person looking at the seven inch like there, there's like something alluring about that to me um and yeah it, it, it worked it out got it on the fucking layout and yeah the art's fucking sick and of course the other component to the uh al mart is the uh parental advisory sticker which Obviously, it's something we opted to put on ourselves. It's not like a real parental advisory sticker you'd see at a fucking uh, record shop or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just kind of like an homage to, you know, fucking the records of yesteryear and a, a different time period. But we, this record is kind of fucking, like I said, it's got some venom. It's kind of raunchy. It's kind of hateful. It's kind of pissed off. It's like, you know, I, I, I want people to see that and go, Oh fuck! What's good with this? You know, so that we kind of like debated internally about it for a little bit, but in the end, I'm glad we included it because I think it makes the album cover personally. Yeah, that that was definitely something I was going to ask you about because when I see that sticker, it reminds me of like you know stuff from like the '90s or back when I was younger when I'd be at like Walmart like you know trying to convince my mom to buy me CDs, but then she would see you know that sticker and she'd like ask the employees like, "Is this okay for kids?" But obviously, like, the employees aren't going to tell my mom, like, yeah, you can sell that, you know, little kid a limp biscuit CD where they cuss and say bad words. Yeah. 
um so exactly (laughs) so when when i saw that i'm okay like for me uh, just uh, knowing what that is and uh i was like that's a cool throwback so i'm not sure if uh if they even do that still these days because like even now like when i hear songs that are um edited and i'm just like that's so weird to me because it's it's just like it's obviously like I, i get it uh, when people say like, you know, these like curse words or whatever. But for me, it's just like, it's just language. And it's like, it's, it's in these songs. And, I, and for me, I don't think it's like that bad. Like, I'm sure like, I think there's like worse no, things in no. the world. So. It, it, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. You know? Like it, it's, it's just fucking words and, and really ultimately not offensive words if you think hard about it. Um, but like, obviously in, in this era, I mean, it's like you said, I don't know if they even still fucking like throw the stickers on shit anymore. Um, and, and on top of that, it's like everything's so digital now, like record rollout is what's going to your Spotify, not the record you're picking up at a store. So seeing that sticker is largely, I think, something that's lost on kids or, or I can only assume. I don't know for sure. But it's like just throwing it on the album cover to me. It was like, oh, like when's the last time you saw one of these fucking things? You know, it's kind of like a the it, it adds this like sense of like, oh, caution before fucking listening, you know, because I'm going to say fucked up shit yeah it's it's cool i like it yeah yeah me too i'm, I'm super down for it um and I, i'm curious on, on your band camp you guys are selling the digital album for a, a pretty hefty price uh, and oh I'm... yeah that's literally just because like we want people to buy the record through triple b mm-hmm. like if you're gonna like go on Bandcamp and download it like we want to redirect you to triple b's Bandcamp. so we just put a fucked up price on it because who the hell would buy it for like a thousand dollars? And if someone does, I mean, <laughs> like, okay. I mean, fuck it. Sorry, sorry, Triple B. That was, you know, this this kid's devoted. <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna give me a thousand dollars for the digital download. Why not? Yeah. But but yeah, that that was literally it. Like I'm sure there's some setting for, uh, like just not making it available to download. Mm-hmm. But you know, fuck it. I, I thought it'd be funnier if I just made it cost a thousand dollars. So that, that's where we're at. Okay, and you you mentioned Triple B. Uh, Koyo is on Triple B, which is awesome. Yes. I I think that is a, a, a really good fit. I I like I, I respect Triple uh, B and what what they do. They uh, you know put on for a, a lot of great bands. So to see you uh, or to see Koyo with them, I I think it's super great. But I, I'm curious, how did that uh, relationship start? So I I actually met Sam while I was touring with Vane. Um, I believe it was in Orlando. Vane was doing a small leg of shows with Ghost Main. Um, maybe it was like three shows or something. But we were in Orlando, and Sam came to the shows, and like him and I just kind of like hit it off for a sex. That was good. Got to know each other at like a very baseline level. Um, and then you know, just on and off through the following years, you know, like I'd see him in in like Boston or whatever. I remember, you know, again Vane tour stuff. He booked like the Fall Headliner in 2019. He did the Boston show. I feel like here and there, I just saw him along the way. So we were like remained acquainted. Um, and Scanlon, who is a good friend of mine, books uh, a lot of shows on Long Island. Uh, he was pretty much just like put us on Sam's radar as like a, a band to uh, put on the label. You know, like I, I don't know how aware or not aware Sam was of us prior, but basically Scanlon like vouched for us and was like, oh, you got to check this out, blah, blah, blah. And Sam hit us up and, and Sam's like super easy to work with, like very like low stress kind of like label experience. So he was basically just like laid out the terms. He's like, yo, if you're down, you're down. And we were. And it's been pretty smooth sailing ever since. He's a very dope and easy guy to fucking work with. It, it's just a lot of like, you down for this? 
the answer is yes 99% of the time and we just do it it's it's cool as hell that's awesome to hear I'm, I'm glad you guys are having a, a good working relationship because like you said I, I'm a fan of uh, seeing uh, Koyo and Triple B together dude yeah for sure I mean dude like it, it's obviously a fucking honor to be on that label just because it, it's had just such a crazy like long-standing impact on like modern hardcore like the amount of fucking records that have come out on Triple B they're like legendary or even just the amount of like bands that have come out that have status even if you didn't necessarily fuck with the music it's like you know a long roster of bands of all kinds that were attached to Triple B in some way or another like dude I I still have I, I forget at what point in time it had to have been like more close to like 2000 13 or so or 14 i can only imagine that was probably the time i i bothered but i still i'm still on their email list um for one reason or another so i got the fucking email that drives out east came out and i was like damn i i've like i mean i get all the triple b emails of that kind for that reason because i'm on their like mailing list or whatever but it's like fuck that's my own record on a fucking label that i was like psyched to buy a fucking seven inch from when i was 16 you know it's fucking awesome it's it's an absolute honor Hell yeah, that's super sick. And yeah, I, I'm trying to imagine what that's like. You know, you get that um, notification, or um, you decide to go check your email, and then you see that email from Triple B, and you're like, "Holy shit, that's uh, yeah, that that that's a like full circle kind of thing." Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. It's it's a great feel. It's just a uh, humbling, dope shit. Feels good as fuck. Okay, and with the record being out i i, I love that uh, promo video where you guys have like that, that giant banner that you guys like hung over some sort of freeway and yeah the the, the emos back banner yeah oh, yeah. yeah and I, i'm i, I kind of like that you know you guys are kind of running with that uh, slogan and I, I, i'm just curious i'm uh, where's the banner now and uh you know who came up with the with the emos back so, so the banner is in my garage i believe right now mm-hmm. and, and honestly i actually came up with the slogan emos back as funny as it is to say um because we were talking about we we shoot the shit about a million things in the group chat pretty much every day just constantly like throwing out ideas and someone i I don't know if it was me but someone definitely threw out the idea of like let's do like a big banner do like some like real deal like real life marketing shit like put ourselves like out there in like a public space and drop like a banner and i think i was i'm pretty sure i was the one that suggested emos back as well as like no, no, that's yeah. I just suggested emos back, and then Harold pretty much took the reins on the design and everything, uh, and like through the razor blading because obviously that's like iconography associated with that type of music or whatever. Um, and we we actually dropped it at Stony Brook train station, which is in my town. Originally, we wanted to do it on like a freeway, but like we were worried it would be like an obstruction that would like cause a car accident because the thing is mad big. It's like long as fuck. You actually risk hitting it if we like dropped it off like an overpass. So. It looked cooler at the train station and it was, I guess, didn't hurt anybody. Still got the same, uh, same value doing it that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you have plans to take that with you on the road or is it just way too big? Um, well, for one, for one thing, um, I, I don't think it's too big and maybe we'll take it on the road with us, but like at a, at a very like minutia issue level, like it says summer 2021, and like my my brain goes to like oh the record's out like I, I we need a banner that says out now you know like because the record's actually out mm-hmm. um but not that that matters at all that's like a, a little me thing but also it's like I just don't know like how hard down the line we'll lean into the whole like emos back gimmick it's more like tongue in cheek 
like end of the day like we we are self-aware that people view our band as like an emo band or like a, a fucking echo of all that type of shit but like end of the day above all else and first and foremost we are a hardcore band so it's like hardcore kids fucking hate emo kids you know <laughs> like mm. the reality is like we, that's like the 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 age-old assumption is that like uh emo kids get beat up by hardcore kids um so there it, i i like the whole fucking like tongue-in-cheek irony of being like a band of like hardcore kids that are like repping emo and e- bringing emo back and even this the sentiment emo's back is a very hardcore rooted idea because hardcore historically through its entire span and duration always seems to make references to things returning bringing back fucking old school this and that it's like it's kind of like oh uh a bit in itself where it's like oh well now emo's back motherfucker what are you gonna do about it you know but but the reality is like i, I will probably bring the banner around maybe we'll have it up at the record release shows but it's like you don't want to lean into it too long because that's just not how we even define our band in internally you know it's cool mm. that people can get attached to it like if people feel good about that and they're like psyched on the prospect of emo coming back well the reality is we're like an emo hardcore band so that's cool get attached like if that feels good that's dope i'm psyched for you but like i don't know if you know we just don't want to get lost in that gimmick because our band is fucking more than a gimmick to me you know 100 percent. yeah it is like a like a fine line you have to walk because you don't want uh, to lean too far into it and people to be like oh like this isn't a serious band um when you guys yeah are, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very tongue-in-cheek the whole thing mm-hmm. uh you know it's 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 very much like a a bit not a true identity if you ask, at least if you ask me <laughs> for sure no, no I, I i totally get that but um like listening to the record for the first time i uh, uh i was like wow these guys nailed this sound this is something that i could totally see like being on like drive through records back in the day because I, I was in love with that record label. So many awesome bands and just like that, that, that time period for that style of music. I, I feel like uh, when I was listening to Drives Out East for the first time, like, damn, this is something that, that totally could have been on there. And I just love that you guys, um, you know, are kind of just like championing like, you know, that style of music because there's not like a whole lot of bands um, in our space um, that are doing it like you guys. So I, I definitely yeah. appreciate that a lot because it, it, it's just like that type of music is, um, you know, like heavily influenced me um, when I was a teenager growing up. And um, obviously these days um, that style is not really too popular or there aren't too many bands doing it like that that I'm aware of. So when I was listening to Drives Ideas, I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. Dude, thank you. And I, I obviously appreciate that. And I think I mean, I I personally uh, went through like a fucked up Finch phase, like through the entire time we were working on this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like we might have like low key, like channeled a little bit of that in there, which is obviously that's like a champion drive through records band. But and, and I know Harold and TJ were like newfound glory obsessed during this whole time too. I mean, they're newfound glory obsessed forever, but like that was also some stuff that got channeled in there. So I'm glad you can feel that out in the, in the dynamic because it definitely was a a part of the, a part of the process. Like I, I I think the more quote unquote, like emo parts of like the, the band here are, are things that like bled through as like drive through records band influence, you know? Mm -hmm. And obviously like the movie life's a fucking huge influence. They did, uh, they did a, a drive-through release, you know, stuff like that. You know, it, it definitely has tinges of hardcore in the mix. So that all that that's like what's interesting about drive-through is like it. I, I hate this term because I it's it's a very practical term to use, but like obviously like it shouldn't 
uh it, it I, I guess it like fundamentally scratches or rubs up against like the idea of what hardcore is in the first place in, in like a negative way but like there's a lot of quote hardcore adjacent stuff on drive through records that has you know people who come from hardcore's attempt at a more melodic band that's what defined drive through and that fucking rules yeah i love it and i'm uh, obviously uh, like those are one of the labels where I, I wish it just kind of like never like went away because they just had this crazy just like you know golden period where they just had like seriously some of the best bands ever on that label just like active and just all doing shit at the same time yeah dude Finch early November Newfound Glory movie life like taking back Sunday there's, there's just a, a long list of, of shit you know mm-hmm. that was dope so okay. I definitely uh, I definitely I'm psyched you hear that in our music because there's definitely a, a little bit of that thrown in for sure. So I'm I'm curious about uh, Diamond One. Uh, there was some uh, guess what was on there. I'm was there more participation from other members of Life's Question? Because I noticed I'm you know on the the you know track listing it's uh, you know uh, Diamond One featuring Life's Question. Then obviously that's the way you guys also promoted it. Yeah, no, it, it's just Abby. And honestly, that was intentional. I wanted people to listen to the song. And think they were going to hear Josh, like that. That was a hundred percent intentional mix. I I figured people would be like, oh, there's going to be a breakdown or some like screaming part where Josh from Life's Questions is going to fucking come spit bars for a little bit. But that that was not at all the plan from the jump. I we were writing that song at the practice space, and mm-hmm. I I like heard Abby's part in my head instantly. Like I I literally heard it in her voice like for whatever reason i mean i'm i'm a fucking adhd plagued mess my brain goes fucking all over the place at all times but like i heard while they were like jamming on the song like verbatim the whole fucking melody that she sings in that song in her voice the way it came out on the record i was like oh this just clicked this is this is what needs to be on the song um and i i you know hit abby up she was down as hell recorded at her house mixed it up real nice and you know there it is but that was a very uh, calculated move on our end. And before uh, you had talked to her, uh, was there any talks of her even being on the record? Um, prior to that, no. No, we, we had no plans for any like guest vocal anything or inclusion of anyone. Uh, that song very well could have just... Yeah, if there wasn't that like eureka moment, like that song probably just wouldn't have had a guest vocal part. I probably would have sang that part and you know we would have put it out, but it actually worked out in a way where this just made sense and worked out logically. And we're keeping in the family too, because life's question are all close friends of all of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, in every possible way, it just made sense. Yeah. And it's something that I really enjoy because uh, when I was thinking about the record, I didn't even, uh, for, for some reason I, I didn't even um, think that there would be like any like features on the record. But when I listened to that track and, uh, heard Abby on the track. I was like, "Wow, this is this is uh, uh, really great. Uh, this fits so well. It, it didn't sound out of place. I, I just felt like um, it, you guys couldn't couldn't have made a better choice to have somebody uh, else sing on the record." Thank you. I I appreciate that. And, and generally speaking, I'm open to like, not that I'm planning or not planning anything in particular, but it's like I'm I'm open to guest spots that they make sense. It's just they just need to be. I don't know what's the word like logically sound for the record. Like I, I don't want to just have someone who's dope at singing or in a popular band on a song just because, you know, like you want it to be, you want it to make sense. You want it to like feel right, sound right. 
Um, and I, I think guest vocals and, and understandably so, I'm not necessarily hating, but I feel like having like guest spots on songs at like the more like pro core quote unquote level, like bands that are a little bigger bands that are kind of like running the fucking real deal touring scene. Like every record is like, Oh, look who's singing on this LP. We got fucking three guest spots, three notable people, this, this and that that's all fine. And well, I'm not saying I wouldn't take the same opportunities if I had them, but personally speaking, I prefer when a feature is something that has like fucking lore or meaning to the band where it makes fucking sense or comes from like a real place. It's not just like, Oh, we're throwing this dude on the record. Cause like he's fucking popping, you know? Mm-hmm. So I- I'm Abby is a prime example of that. That is our friend. That is our family. That is someone we toured with. That's someone we care about. It just makes sense. You know? hundred percent. Yeah. I- I'm-, I'm a fan. I uh, uh, appreciate life's question. Uh, Abby's artwork is awesome, so I'm just uh, stoked that uh, again you guys uh, you know kind of kept it like you know uh, in your same social uh, circle. Uh, so that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that's not to say like if a cool opportunity came up down the line that made sense for one reason or another, and it was someone from outside of our social circle or someone of fucking note or whatever. I'm not saying I, I would turn it down. It's just like when I think of a guest part, it needs to, I need to hear their voice in my head on the track and have it sound amazing. Like it, it needs to like make sense. I know I keep saying that. I feel like I've said make sense 95 times now, but really like, like certain parts are meant for certain people, you know, and certain voices and certain vocal ranges. And it's just forcing someone onto a record just to force them onto a record. Isn't always the move, but for some, I'm sure it is just for us. We're, we're, I guess, planting the flag where it's like we are choosing to be picky intentionally. For sure. No, I, I, I totally get it. Uh, wanted to kind of uh, break down each song, see if um, you can uh, go a little more in depth about the meaning. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, and sure I think want to start with Diamond One since we're um, already uh, speaking about that. I, I'm curious if you can kind of go into. Uh, what that song means because when I read like the first line uh, few live and I, I don't know why that just like sticks out to me because I think about it and obviously uh, when, when we think about just life in general and uh, we assume that we only get one shot at this right because uh, uh, for us here right now we don't really know what comes next um, so like yeah. in, in my mind I'm always just like and especially this is something that that I feel like I've just kind of started doing as I've gotten older is like, I feel like I'm like way more precious with my time. Cause uh, when I was younger, I would just do dumb shit. Like, you know, play crash bandicoot all day, or there would be times where I would actually like let myself get bored and I would lay around the house cause my friends couldn't hang out. And there was like really nothing for me to do like around town where I live. Cause like, you know, th- there wasn't really much going on back then, but now it's just like, I, I feel like being bored uh, in my mind kind of seems like a luxury because uh, like at this point I'm just like shit I don't have enough time to do everything that I want and I, I feel like I'm just trying to like you know prioritize certain things and I'm just trying to make the most sense of it and not really um, you know waste any more time because I feel like I've wasted a lot of time so I, I'm just curious if you can just kind of go into more detail about this song yeah dude absolutely and, and yeah a lot of things you just said there kind of in some ways touch on the idea of the song um I, I mean that song is about doing literally whatever the fuck you want with your life uh in every possible sense uh that song is a, a huge fuck you to every timeline that has ever been presented to you whether from fucking elementary school age to adulthood uh 
we we've all been fucking presented this whole fucking set of expectations about where you should be at in life, what you should be doing with your life, what salary or living situation or fucking life accomplishments equal happiness or fulfillment or this or that. It's like that's all good and well. Like it, it, don't get me wrong, like there's something to be said for living life participating in society, participating in convention, like those are necessary things. But that song is my most frustrated take on the idea that like everyone just has a fucking idea of where everyone else should be at in life. And my answer to that is fuck you, eat shit. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want and everyone else should too. And if what you want to do is by chance, very conventional and directly contributes to society in some way or another, that's good and well, because if you want to do that with all your heart, that is the right thing to do. And that will fulfill you, and that will give you a sense of, of worth in whatever fucking way. But a lot of people, especially people like me, I just turned 25 uh, like two weeks ago. I'm at an age where there's a lot of peers, a lot of signs in various directions that uh, a, a lot of like talk amongst various circles that I guess just uh, dictate, oh, it's, this is it. You're done. You're 25. Like, that's that's GG, man. Like, you know, like, you got to fucking buckle down and figure it out. And, like, the reality is, like, I am figuring it out in my own respective way, in the same way that everyone else should. So, I guess to summarize, this song is about if you want to fucking go get your, your master's and become a real fucking, like, big baller professional, because that's what you love, go fucking do that. If you want to scrape by in society and fucking sit on your ass and fucking play video games and figure it out and barely make rent and just do, you know, some, like, hobby shit all the time because your fucking hobbies, whatever they... I'm not even saying specifically video games, but whatever hobbies you like, whatever things that make you happy and make you not want to fucking kill yourself, if that's all you want to put your fucking time towards and that's how you want to live your life, do that because both are equally valid and anyone who says otherwise needs a fucking head check. That's that's my take on that song. That's what Diamond One's about. That's awesome. No, I, I I think it's really important for for people to realize because I uh, you know, talk to a lot of people and sometimes uh, it's just like especially uh, people get caught up in the social media age and uh, you know people start comparing their lives to other people's lives because of what they see on the internet and it's just like no like you you can't do that right because uh, half the time that's just not even real and people are, are posting stuff on the internet to, to show off or it's, it's just like you know just a snippet of what's really going on in that person's life like that's not how it is 100 percent of the time so i i think it is really important for for people to to, to make themselves happy uh yeah and just do, Dude, I, do what they want i i hate all that shit i hate all that comparing shit i hate that whole like fucking innate function in our brains where it's like oh i just have to fucking something happened in my life i have to show everyone mm-hmm. it's like that sucks like I get wanting to be fucking proud of whatever you're doing, but it's like, it comes from a place of fucking insecurity. It comes from a place of, I got to compare and contrast this and that happened in my life. I got to fucking show the world via the internet. Like, I don't know. It, it's normal sh- stuff, but it's stuff that has conflict in my mind personally. But the, the ultimate point, I guess, with the song is like, I'm aware that people have bills. I'm aware that people have fucking life responsibilities. Terrible, horrible things happen all the time that put burdens on people where they have to make decisions that put off passions, put off things they care about. That's real life. Real life comes fucking first. I know that. I'm not fucking, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stupid, you know, like I, I'm aware. But this song is like in whatever context, uh, 
that applies to you. We could all just make a little fucking more time for like things we care about. You don't just have to fucking cast stuff to the side because you're getting older and you know, things like that. It's just ideas like that. And that, that line few live that you refer to like that, that bar is basically just like, Oh, few live. Don't you want to love live? Like we do, I believe is the the line. Mm -hmm. Um, I should know my own lyrics, but that, that, that whole point is like me and a lot of my friends or most of my friends even do live that way live in a way where it's like, yo, like what we care about, what makes us happy is number one. And that line is like, Oh, you can do that too. This isn't this exclusive fucking club where like, you know, only a finite amount of people in the world live exclusively how they want and figure their shit out in whatever ways makes sense to them. Like anyone could do that. Anyone can figure it out in whatever fucking way, like monetarily, mentally, whatever you can figure out how to live a more fulfilling life. And that makes more time for things you actually give a fuck about. 100%. I, I definitely agree with that. So want to talk about the song that you guys did a music video for uh, more riches. Is that how you pronounce that? Yes. More riches, which a lot of publications are saying that's a road on Long Island. Coincidentally, there is a Marich's road in my town, Stony Brook. However, Marich's is a town uh, that's a little more Eastern on Long Island. It's not, uh, it depend, uh, the even the prospect of something being out east is all perspective on Long Island. Like out east is there, there's always somewhere more east for everybody, I guess. But like that to me, Mariches is like entry level. Uh, I'm starting to go out east type area. Um, and we didn't call the song that for any particular reason, by the way. It just it literally like I, I the working title for the song was more space riches, like a play on Mariches the town. Mm-hmm. And after a while, we just kept calling the song Mariches, and it just stuck. So we didn't change it. I, I felt no need to change it. It just felt right. Yep. But uh, that that song is uh, kind of has a, a little tint of Diamond One ideology as well. But that, that song is basically about uh, not COVID. Not, mind you, none of these songs on the record are specifically about COVID. I didn't write a song that was like, fuck the pandemic. Like that, I That's felt like great. that would have been cheesy. Yeah. But that uh, Mariches is about getting home from tour via the pandemic and after almost it was like two and a half years of touring basically full-time like 200 plus days a year literally spending my entire life on the road being busy as fuck constant action constantly something to look forward to i was in one place for one time with very little to do and at, at first i couldn't even see my friends via the pandemic the people that i miss when i'm on tour anyways so that song is really about how fucking strange but also special that time was and i I actually wrote the lyrics for that song pretty much all in one shot there was a power outage on long island i think actually the last time we talked was during that power outage too because my my family had a generator going on yes i remember that time Mm -hmm. um but if the storm had just passed i was sitting on my front porch with my like iphone notepad open and I wrote almost every line to that song that is actually on the record right now with very little revision in one shot because it was the most like lightning in a bottle fucking feeling that I had ever had. It, it was literally just like it, it was benchmarking how I felt in that moment. I want to say, I guess that was August, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that was having been home and having had my entire life kind of like swept away in one shot. Uh, that that like benchmarked that time period for me. So Marich is, is about the feeling of like radical change, sweeping change, and find trying to find meaning in 
what was essentially like a blank canvas for my life, you know? And I'm curious, when you were on your porch um, starting to write that song on your iPhone, was Drives Out East the first line you actually wrote? Yes. Wow. And, and a- actually, a- additionally, like, that line is very literal because at that time, um, mind you, most everyone on Long Island lives with their parents. It's not like, it's not like a lot of other places where you have like a homie with an apartment. Well, I, I literally have, I think one friend here whose apartment we hang out at everyone else pretty much lives with their parents or, you know, moved off Long Island, moved to the city or something mm. um, because it's so expensive to live here. But at the time, especially because of the pandemic, no one could like hang out at anyone's parents' house because of, the pandemic you know you don't want to put anyone's parents at risk so i was spending quite a lot of time taking drives out to like the north fork and stuff which is like north shore long islands like out east um and just like spending days out there and like orient or whatever like and uh just kind of like hanging out trying to enjoy the summer and the nature because it was an easy way to see people but still be vested in uh or easy way to like hang out but still like you get to enjoy nature you get to enjoy summer on long island um so like that line drives out east at the time was the most literal fucking one for one thing in my life right now all i was doing was maybe twice a week my friends and i would get together and we'd like drive out east and like go hang out go see the water it was just a a logical way and safe way to see one another in a very strange time and at what point did you guys decide that that line was going to be the title of the record um we kept spitballing titles for a little while i like painting words into lines i feel like we debated about the title a hundred thousand times like that that ep we were just going all over the place with it. we could not decide band name was changing before we put it out the ep name was changing we debated for a little bit about the drives out east title and then after a while like or not even a while like it, it, it was pretty quick we started calling it drives out east and like it just clicked that was like probably one of the least debated title related decisions the band has ever had like we just said drives out east that's it we're fucking a band from long island this is real real shit about our lives right now like and what's been going on like this in the i guess the strangest way this this is personifies it all it's drives out east and it just stuck and we've been calling it that for many many months now like like we decided on that a while ago that's awesome. I, I I think it's crazy to you know when, when you listen to the record, you know the, those first words or the title of the record. Uh, it's just like yeah, it just seems special to me when, when I think about it. I, you know, or maybe I'm looking too much into it, but it's just like no, man. no, dude, you're I I appreciate that, and I, I to me you're you're hitting the nail on the head with it. Like it that song too is special to me. Like I mean, not not to get like elementary school about it and fucking break it down like for what it is, because obviously I want people to listen to it, and interpret it their own way, but like. The first couple bars drives out east. No need to speak. I'll use these nights to pass the time. That's that is as literal as it gets. We're fucking trying to pass time in a period where nothing fucking makes sense. Nothing is definitive. Everything is absolutely fucked. And all we're doing is just doing what makes sense to people on Long Island, which is essentially like get in the fucking car and drive somewhere. That's what Long Island people do. We hang out in parking lots and we go drive by the water and just try and find a place to post up and talk for a while. That is what being a Long Island head is, you know, like that, that line is as simple as, or those bars, like as simple as they may be, they don't just personify what I was doing at the time. Like they, that is, that's Long Island as far as I'm concerned, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's awesome. And how, 
how did you guys decide for uh, more just uh, to be tied to a music video? Because I'm such a fan when you know a band, and I talk about it all the time when bands take the extra shit to do music video because I, I just think it's uh, super awesome to see uh, just them in more of a, a creative space. So when I saw that you guys were um, you putting out this music video, I was like, hell yeah, this is something that I'm definitely looking forward to. So thank you for that. I I, I obviously appreciate, and I'm glad that like you were psyched on it. Um, we, I think me and Harold were like the main ones championing for a music video and him and I were kind of like internally debating a little bit over the couple of months, like what we want to do for it, what the concept would be this, this and that. Um, and eventually we finally got to settle on, uh, keeping it fairly simple, doing like performance and then just like, Oh, let's just do shots of us hanging out on long Island. Like the whole the whole song is essentially about a time where all we were doing was hanging out on Long Island with no other option. <laughs> so it's like, let's uh, let's try and like personify that in a video because we had all these like more like high concept ideas. We at one point we shot the idea around of doing a Diamond One video that uh, I I personally was like championing. Like we kind of like rip off like the color sessions that they do on YouTube with like all those rappers mm-hmm. and do like a color session thing. And actually the the hanging mic that's in the Mariches music video is a rip from that because the Freddie Gibbs colored session. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a hanging mic in all of them, but that one particularly stuck out in my head. I was like, Oh, there's like a dangling mic in this. That looks so cool. And that's why that's in the Mariches video essentially. Um, But Mariches like that song just has so many like starts and stops and swells and obviously like a breakdown at the end or whatever. Um, So it just made sense for a music video. Um, and we we were like kind of like shooting around for a while like oh who's gonna who's gonna do this um who's gonna be the guy like frankly a lot of people were way too expensive like we really didn't have a huge budget on this record in fact uh, uh, like this video came out of pocket just because like we were tapped on budget um and our friend connor who we've known for a long time i, I like maybe like six years now um i, I met him at a, this is hardcore uh, a couple years ago. Um, and then we just stayed in touch. He went to SCAD in Savannah. Him and his roommate, Sam, um, both do things in, in that world. Um, I'm pretty sure Connor just like had like a crew role on like a J. Cole music video recently. Like they, they do actual uh, like cinematography related and film related things. Um, but they're still freelance. They're still kind of figuring it out. Um so we we figured the two of them would be able to help us out, and they did, and they did it for a perfectly cheap price, which helped out a fuck ton. And they just came to Long Island and hung out for like three days total and filmed everything between like the main camera that Sam had and a B camera that Connor had. And I I think they caught everything, you know. Like I think I think they hit the nail on the head and got everything you needed to know about like what our lifestyles like out here at least. And I'm curious though. Oh, whose garage is that that you guys shot in? That is my garage at my parents' house. Okay, and um, and, and I'm assuming some of the stuff was uh, you know set up for like you know props, but it, like I'm looking at like the the refrigerator and I'm seeing like a screen poster on there. Is is that like normal? Hey. Yeah, you noticed that. That's dope. Um, the I that actually has been normal since my parents didn't take it down. I put the or I think Morazzo was the one who said put it on the fridge, but we we figured out. Well, I, I wanted to sneak the screen poster in just as like an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we ultimately decided on the fridge. I'm glad I actually cut through in the video. But I, I essentially, quote unquote, built that set. I had to move 
my entire garage around in the most ridiculous, meticulous ways. I there were like full shelf systems in the middle of the garage, like filled with like nice glass and like fine china and shit. I had to move and I had to take everything down item for item, move the shelf, put every item back on. I I had to do like a crazy fucking rearranging of my garage, but it ended up working out awesome. This was all like one manic, like sweep. I was literally like full blown mania. Like over the course of a couple hours, built the set myself and it, it all came together pretty nicely. Like, the screen thing aside, like, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna lay out cabs across the back of the garage. I had the guts of a piano that my parents sawed up and have been meaning to throw out for years. I put that behind Sal's drums. And then I was like, this video needs something more. I don't know what it's gonna be, blah, blah, blah. So I grabbed a bunch of lamps that were laying around, and we attached them to, uh, like, uh, um you know, like power strips with like switches on them mm -hmm. and like a bunch of extension cords. And I made it so that you could manually switch the, the lights on and off. And that's kind of how like the, the glowing switching lamp stuff in the video happened. It was literally just like on a whim. I was like, I need to add something to this video. Something about something needs to make the set more than just my garage with guitar cabs in it. And, uh, that then that was added and the rest was pretty much history on that one. And I'm glad you went with those lamps versus like a weird like strobe light or lasers or something. I, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck all that shit. You know, keep keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. The, the classic elementary school saying. <laughs> okay. And who was in charge of flipping the, the, the switches while you guys were recording? Because I, I was actually really curious how you guys did that. So in addition to Sam and Connor, um, one of my uh, he, he's like credited as a thank you in the video. One of my best childhood friends, uh, his name's Jack Broder. Uh, he helped us on the video. He kind of like basically PA'd the whole thing. So it, it, it would be like kind of a collaborative thing, like depending on the take. Um, Sam would be shooting, Connor would be shooting, Jack would run the 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 lamps, I guess. And then um alternatively we did like solo shots to everybody. Every single person in the band had to perform the song a couple times. And we kind of like took turns just flickering the lights for those two. Like if if Jack was like doing playback or something or everyone or you know it's a tight squeeze in my garage someone was busy someone was doing something else someone was getting water uh me or harold or really anyone would just sit down and grab the lamps and just flicker them on and off try trying our best to do it like rhythmically with the song mm -hmm. okay and um and it's, it's not too common for a band to have three guitar players so i'm just like man it look a little crowded in that garage yeah it, it, it was a tight squeeze it was a very tight squeeze tj actually i mean he posted a clip online we were doing like the jumps for like the like drum fill into like the last part of the song mm -hmm. and tj launched his fucking guitar into my ceiling smashed it thankfully didn't break it and then fell back onto sound it's like if there were higher ceilings and like less people in the room i, I don't think that would have happened it was just you know it's crowded but we still managed to make it work and honestly that's testament to sam and connor's ability to shoot the video and like frame it out nicely because it was a tight squeeze and it, it i feel like it ultimately a lot of the time didn't look like it, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I noticed when I first watched the video, and let me kind of set the stage, I, I was at a buddy's house, um, shout out to my buddy Andy, and uh, we just got done making some food, and uh, we were talking about music, and I was just like, dude, uh, you need to check out Koyo. Like, I, I know they're right up your alley. And I was like, oh, they just put out this new music video, like, we should watch it. And, and, and at that point, I hadn't seen it yet. So I was like, all right, this is like a you know, cool opportunity. Like I can finally watch this music video, try to put my friend onto um, your guys' band. And we start the video and I got, 
you know, like I said, I, I hadn't seen it before. And then I'm like, I, I see you on screen. I'm like, damn, when did Joey get so buff? And uh, yeah. <laughs> that's just something that, that's like stuck out to me. So I'm like, damn, he's been hitting the gym. Yeah, I, I've been grinding. I appreciate you noticing. Um, I think uh, I'm going to be honest in like the least cocky way, because believe me, I'm 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 still a fucking chubby Italian man from Long Island. I still got a fucking gut. But uh, I I uh, I pretty much spent like um, I want to say like from maybe September to March uh, training in my in Spanos, our bass player's garage. And he, he's a jacked motherfucker. He's been at it for his essentially his entire adult life. He's strong as fuck. And he he stays being strong and, you know, smashing new fitness goals and this, this and that. And just, you know, he, he he's always been about it. And he pretty much like took me under his wing. We got like at home gym equipment and five days a week because I really had nothing better to do. Um, every single day we'd be in his garage just getting after it. And it it worked, you know, by the time by the time uh, we were at like the tail end of working out his, in his garage before I actually returned to a gym, uh, I, I PR'd my bench at like 305, but just based off the weights we had, I probably, if you can bench 305, you could probably bench 315. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like potato, potato. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hit that for a single. Uh, my squat's honestly probably higher now, but I, I maxed my squat New Year's Eve at like, 375 for a single i could probably do more if i if i like you know get just just get it straight you know prep for it properly and whatever but you know i i got somewhat strong you know there's there's actual strong like competition level strong but i i'm definitely like i'm definitely like casual gym goer strong right now which is dope like i I love lifting weights it's like the illest shit ever Hell yeah! Well, no, that, that's cool. That that's something that you picked up and uh, kept at it because, yeah, like I said, I'm, I I was able to notice it. Yeah, thank you. I I appreciate that. And and, and me, Harold, and Spanos are all kind of gym heads, and you know, love lifting weights and stuff. And that that's part of why, like, we like leaned into that gimmick a little bit with like there's some weightlifting in the video, but mm-hmm. we actually like did like a a garage workout with everyone there and like ran the gauntlet and they filmed that. Um, and we did like the, the jerseys, um, like the weightlifter jerseys that I think at this point are almost sold out. I think there literally might be like two or three left in like medium or something, but like we did those cause it's like, yeah, not our entire band is filled with like weightlifters, but you know, at least half of us are. And like, again, like our band is like, I, it, I think this is also kind of an ironic tip with the whole like emo's back gimmick, but it's like. I I'd, I'd say we're innately more jock than emo, frankly, both in terms of like personality and uh, and fundamentals and you know general interest. It's like in, in just about every sense, most of us are not uh, what you think of when you think emo. And I I like in general, I just love subverting expectations. So that that kind of like serves that point too, where someone might hear the band and then you see all of us, and it's like oh, like this whole band is kind of fucking jacked <laughs> you know it's like it's a cool thing to me yeah no no it's, it's super sick and um last thing on the music video i so the, the, the music video rolls and then there's this scene at the end and I, I i see one of my favorite drummers uh shout out gino he's there there's like a group of people filming and then he, he gets I, I can't tell if he gets slapped or gets punched and i'm like whoa like what's going on like uh, like what is everybody doing here like, like yeah can, can you talk about like what that whole situation was so so that is truly like in no other terms that is just uh that is 
my friend Grotto, who's a close friend of the band, and Gino uh, slap boxing on the roof. I, I literally think someone just encouraged they slap box, and Grotto won. And I think at a later date, Gino got him back for it. Like they slap box again, and Gino won. But uh, that was on the roof after. I don't even remember what it was. I forget why I was even in Brooklyn that day, but that was on uh, Connor and Sam's roof. And it was just like a fun little gimmick, I guess. Like, oh, I just saw this at the end of the video for like the credit card and, you know, just lighthearted fun shit. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, it was cool. It was just seeing like, so like, it just seemed like everybody was out there just having a, like, a, just a great time, you know? So, like, oh, this is oh, cool. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. popping off, dude. It was yeah. sick. It, it, it got a huge pop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hell yeah. That, that that was nice to include some, just, yeah, just uh, you guys and just like a, just, uh, it seems like a normal social setting that you guys would just normally be in. Yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. Like, the, the whole video is all about just fucking homie shit, you know? Like, every, every fucking facet of my life is, largely vested in fucking friends and family and doing shit with friends and family and doing shit with people I care about. And like that, that's, that's the long Island way. Everyone's just fucking chilling all the time. Everyone's posted up, hanging out 24 seven. Okay. So we can move on to the second track on the record uh, since you asked, and I'm curious about the the spacing because I I appreciate you guys um having the lyrics on Bandcamp. I'm I'm sure that that's helpful to a, a lot of people who uh, probably haven't gotten the record yet or who just want to um, just read the lyrics and kind of you know get a deeper dive. But um, did you guys space it out like that specifically? Because um you know with all the other songs, it's not like that. Um. So I don't. Unfortunately, I wish I had like a cool answer for this, but actually, I just copy pasted it from my notepad and for some reason it spaced it like that. I don't know what the the coding was on it, but I was just mm-hmm. too lazy to fucking block it together like everything else. I was like, all right, just read these sentences. This is good enough. So th- there's truthfully no no deeper meaning on that one, unfortunately. Um but since you asked is a cool song, that was that was I want uh, okay, that was the second to last song we wrote for the record. Um it I I wrote th- so Sorry, I'm stuttering so much right now. The breakup is Mariches and Diamond One. Uh, TJ wrote those songs. Mm-hmm. I wrote Since You Asked, and Harold wrote The World We Claim. Um, and obviously, everyone had a hand in like the the like I guess like end game part of writing these songs, where you get together as a band and you jam it out and you pick out parts you don't like, parts you do like. Like it was a very collaborative effort. But at like the I'm at home writing a song level, I wrote Since You Asked. Um, and that first melody you hear in the beginning, like uh, I, I wrote that real time with the guitar part. I was like jamming on the guitar part, and uh, that that kind of hook just came came to me instantly. So in the original video I sent to the chat, I'm singing the the hook you hear in the start of that song, just you know, kind of like to nothing. I'm just like humming it basically. Um, and that song, additionally, another trivia about that song, I I. I'm a very visual person like visuals get me psyched on fucking songwriting and, and like songs. I like, I hear songs and I, I mean, a lot of people do this. This isn't like a unique thing, but like you'll hear a song and like, you'll think of a place or like somewhere you've been or like, you know, a vibe is attached to different songs. And, uh, I was trying to just fucking catch a vibe while writing songs. I, I just was like very like stuck and I knew we needed another song for the record. So I put on a compilation of tsunamis crashing into, uh, into like various places. I mo- most of it, like I guess, like you know, parts of like Asia or whatever. 
Um, but it was literally just like a tsunami compilation. I muted it. I turned the lights off in my room except for like a dim lamp. And I just sat there for two hours, like just watching that on loop until something came out that I liked. And that was ultimately what Since You Asked was. Um, and then we just jammed on it in practice and it came to be. The song is about uh, just being aware of like mortality and shit. Like, uh, again, like this is one of those instances, not a song about COVID. However, the pandemic definitely made me think about mortality a lot more. Like you have tons of fucking people dying left and right. It's a very tragic fucking time. It's a traumatizing time. And I'm immunocompromised. As I've mentioned earlier, I'm a diabetic. And not that I think anything tragic would have necessarily happened to me if I caught COVID because based off everything I've read as a young, healthy individual, I still would have been fine. But like there was still anxiety that I'm a compromised person. My immune system shit. I, I could, it, it just made you like hyper aware that you could fucking die at any time. Um, and it, it, it was like a lot on the mental for a while. And since you asked, it's pretty much just a summarization of like thoughts about fucking dying and how you're remembered and like what you think people you care about will remember you for and stuff. It's, it's uh just a lot of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Sometimes I wonder what it will be like when I uh, die or pass on or go wherever, uh, get reincarnated or whatever happens. Uh, yeah. The, the various uh, lottery of things that may or may not happen to us, you know? Yeah. But, I, I, I'm hoping I wake up and it's just like the matrix, right? You get like unplugged and you're like, Oh, okay. This is, this is what it was. Let's go. That, that would be <laughs> ideal. That would be fucking awesome. But yeah. unfortunately I, I, as cool as that would be, I, I have a gut feeling that might be one of the less likely ones. That would be dope, though. But yeah. I, the, the whole song in general is just like, what's the way to put it? Like, it, it, it's more like, I can die. Life is fucking cruel. Bad things happen all the time. I hope people that I love just think well of me when I go. That's like the whole song. I guess if that makes sense. Not to get too deep on the pod right now, but that's that's the track. Uh, I, I'm curious if you can talk about this one line because I'm I'm just curious about it. Uh, the the one where you say you can find me by the water or in places that you rest your head. Yeah, that that line is just like, um, I uh, mind you, this this might come off as a little corny, but whatever. It's my fucking bars. I'll I'll own them regardless. But like you know, like again, this might tie into just being a fucking Long Islander, but like. You know, sometimes you're just fucking chilling by the water. You you know, post up at like a beach or something. You're just like looking out at fucking vastness and you just reflect on life. Various things pop into your head, like whether it be fucking people, places, things. And that whole line is like, you know, it, it, if you lose me, if I pass away, you know, you can find me in those moments of reflection. Like, you know, before you fucking fall asleep at night and, you know, you're thinking on your life, thinking on various things, you're you're posted up alone at a fucking beach. You're just chilling, trying to clear your mind. You're looking out at the water like that. Those are those moments where I find I th randomly stumble on thoughts of people and places and things that are what not even necessarily always like people who have died or whatever, just things in my past, things in my life that like are not current. So that line is like, well, if you lose me in a horrible display, if something fucked up happens to me, you'll find me by the water and places that you rest your head. Like you'll find me in places that of reflection places where you had those deep moments with yourself, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I, I really like that line. That's why I, I wanted to ask you about that, but yeah, that, that that's Thank cool you. to hear, hear you break it down. Yeah. Cause I, I think that one's awesome. 
I, I appreciate that for real. Thank you. That that is actually one of my favorite bars on the record as well. I think it flows really nice. Okay. So uh, talking about the last track, the one that you mentioned that um, you know Harold uh, wrote and and uh, speaking about being uh, you know pissed off. I, I'm just curious to hear you break this song down. Um. So truthfully, just be aware that this song is kind of difficult for. It's kind of about many things. Mm-hmm. So just know it's. I, I might be a little all over the place as I explain this. Um, but I'll try my best to actually summarize it simplistically for the sake of, you know, saving us some time. But that Wait, song, we have um, a time, is... by the way, we can good. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good to know. But, uh, the, the song is essentially about, um, my frustration with, uh, just with people's desire to fucking scream over one another in every possible instance. I think, uh, a lot of fucked up things happen in life literally all the time. A lot of things, uh, of all kinds, you know, and it seems like this song, this song is about my extreme distaste for people who scream first and listen later, you know, like when, when something fucked up happens to someone or like a big fucking world event happens, it's fucked up. A lot of people are just so fucking quick to be like, I have to say something. I have to say something. But like, you don't always have to say something. In fact, a lot of the time, I think you need to fucking listen to people who should the the actual people who need to say something, you know, I think everyone thinks they need to say something all the time, thinks they need to make some fucking grand post on the internet about this or that. Um, But the reality is they should be listening first. They should be listening to people who are affected by fucked up things first. And again, that's a very fucking vague sentiment. That's not about any one particular thing, but it's like this entire internet era that I've been using, you know, fucking Twitter and Instagram or something. It's like, there's just always something or someone or some fucked up thing happening where everyone feels the need to fucking scream at the top of their lungs and then they take a fucking step back and like their screaming is fucking useless, you know, or, or their their screaming is flawed and they didn't realize that there's like some like fundamental fucking error in what they're screaming about anyways. It's like, you know, let, let people who need to fucking speak and be heard be heard. Listen to them, learn from them. You don't always have the answers just because you want to be fucking loud. And that's what that whole song's about. And that, again, transcend that's that could be anything and everything. Especially the other the other component of that song is what what ties into this, I guess, is like hardcore kids are taught to fundamentally through music. Like the the music we consume tells us that you need to fucking think for yourself, figure it out, learn from others, be open minded, be progressive yada 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 all fundamentally great things all things i try to do myself but what ties into all of that is in the same way that you're listening to these records that are telling you you know good life fundamentals and how to be you listen you listen to those records uh and you also need to listen to other people in the same way you would those records so that that whole like bar like uh your record spin till the groove's too thin throwing your voice like a whisper in the wind, the last song of the song, uh, your record spins, you ever really listen in. It's about, and again, it ties to the other thing I guess I just explained, where it's like, we're all consuming all this fucking morally charged, like, life-changing music. It's like, you, you're you a vacuum for all that good shit. Apply it. Live that way. 
be open-minded, be fucking progressive, be willing to learn, be willing to listen, be willing to be what is uh, in actuality like a legitimately good person. Because I think everyone's on this fucking desperate quest to be a good person and to be fucking morally good and to be upright. And those are fundamentally good things. But I think we kind of lose ourselves in the process sometimes, not all the time. You know, it's uh, again, this song is very big, very general. I feel like anything I fucking say about this song could get misconstrued as I'm saying some fucking fucked up thing just because it is so vague. But like, it's not. It's just, you know, it's just commentary on people's fucking hypocrisy and fucking overzealousness, I guess. That's that's the song. Okay, yeah. And for clarification, anybody out there that feels attacked by uh, Koyo, it's not about you. Or maybe it is. Maybe that's the thing. Like, it could be. It very well could be. That's that. If the shoe fits, that's a you problem. But you know, I'm 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 not fucking gunning for any particular person's neck or yeah. any particular scenario that might apply to what I'm saying. I'm speaking very generally. Yeah. No, I I, I totally get it because uh, on uh, I see it all the time on Twitter. Right. So something goes down. Uh, and then I see like a lot of like this like virtue signaling and people who probably are saying a lot of things that they just don't really mean. And uh, you're right. I'm not like you don't have to give your opinion on every little situation. Uh, and I, I guess a, a lot of people feel like their opinion is way more like valued than they probably are. They think it's more, more valued than it probably is. Right. So I, I like a lot of times I just see like some like the most ridiculous shit on Twitter. And luckily, uh, I, I've seen so much of it. I feel like I've grown numb to it. So I, I just kind of keep scrolling. And yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Yeah. And um, it, yeah. And I, I try and stay off the Internet more than I used to for that reason as well. But it, it, it's borderline delusion, man. It's It's like. It, it is literally ridiculousness like you can see some fucked up thing unravel and it's not always your obligation to have a fucking hand in it. Just take a mental note, apply it to your life, behave differently, be there for your fucking friends, be there for people who need a fucking hand in one way or another, you know, mm -hmm. but like being there doesn't always mean fucking screaming at the top of your lungs and fucking dogpiling on some situation that might even be developing real time and might not even be what you think it is like. Everyone just feels like they need to have an opinion. And I think, honest to God, I think people are like afraid that not having an opinion and not fucking saying something could fucking like backlash or, or turn into backlash for them. You know, their fucking, their silence is fucking compliance. And I understand there's situations in life where that obviously is the case. Like an example, mm. like fucking social issues and stuff, like fucked up things pertaining to fucking uh to race or whatever it may be like that there there are things where like you should fucking make a point at grind you still applying everything i'm saying in the song you still should listen listen first like listen to actually people who are affected by fucked up things don't just fucking talk but there are times where you do need to speak and that is the right thing but my problem is that everyone wants to speak all the time no matter what like endlessly and as loud as they po possibly fucking can and they want to talk over each other and it's all just white noise and means nothing that's that's my unfortunate take. Yeah, no, it, it's a great. I'm you know I, I I totally understand it, and I like like I said on social media I I see it all the time, and I'm just kind of like wow these people are are, are uh, it, like to me they sound like idiots most of the time. It's like geez like these takes are so weird, and and there's even been times where people will like you know uh, text me, I, and this is when I had my old number, so I'm, I'm glad um, I got a new number. Uh, people would text me like oh like why aren't you talking about this or you should stop being uh, you know associated with so and so because of this, and I'm just kind of like yo like. I'm I'm not even attached to what's going on. Like, why am I? Yeah. I, I, you guys trying why, to bring 
why are you getting dragged into that stuff? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, dude, that 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 shit that's that shit is absolute fucking hysteria. It's delusion. I want no fucking part in it. You know, I and, and I get it. I get there's exceptions to all these hypotheticals. Like again, mm-hmm. not talking about any particular thing because even the prospect of generally talking about something like this or an idea like this could people just get their fucking their you know. They get all twisted up about it because everyone's just fucking scared and stressed all the fucking time, it seems, these days. Um, but, like, the reality is, like, exist in real life. Go do something in real life. Go fucking apply. If you feel negatively about one thing or another, find a way to apply that to your real life off of Twitter, off of Instagram, where it's all fucking fiction and we're screaming at our, like, screaming at each other like fucking children over nothing. And... Make the world a fucking better place. Make your immediate world a better place. Make the cumulative world at large a better place. Because when you actually exist in the real world, off of the fucking internet that we're fucking, you know, constantly fucking scrolling endlessly, melting our fucking minds looking at, you you, you can, like, you can just do more fucking good for yourself and others, you know? Nothing gets fucking solved on the internet. I'd go as far as... Probably a real figure. Mind you, these stats are just me fucking rattling off words out of my mouth, but, like... I wouldn't be shocked if like 80% of the time everything you fucking see on the internet unfolding does more or less nothing. Yeah. No, I I'm I'm trying to think of like situations and like I'm trying to come across one in my mind where they solved it with a Twitter thread. Yeah, it's almost never, dude. Like the only time I can ever think like Twitter was a fucking legitimate like assist in like world like in a positive way in like world issues is like social issues like you know like again issues pertaining to like fucking people's fucking rights or like liberties or you know being fucking treated as people you know obvious things that have been crazy in the last year but have been crazy forever you know Mm. like people being treated how they should be treated as fucking humans like that's that's a different thing like i feel like the internet actually like was generally positive for all that stuff um but in general like especially the things that are more like small scale it's just like what gets solved what gets solved like especially if you're on the outside of an issue, what gets solved when you just fucking jump in? No. I to me it's it's just nonsense. Most of the time. Exceptions with everything. Everything's fucking gray. Nothing's black and white. Um, but you know, that's that's kind of the take. That's that's the world we claim. It's just everyone's fucking the world we claim is a world where everyone's fucking screaming over each other and just can't fucking get along and figure it out, you know? Wow. And on that song, there is, uh, and I was uh, you know, wanting to ask you about this too. Um, on the world we claim, there was, uh, you know, some more um, interesting instruments played on that track. There was a violin and a cello. Yes, yes. Um, we we had um, we we wanted to really like pull the rug with that song in a lot of ways, like we really wanted. So the first three songs are obviously like very, uh, very fast paced and like aggressive in certain ways. We wanted to completely like pull the rug with the fourth song um, and have it be a complete slowdown. So obviously there's an acoustic guitar, there's uh, there's cello, there's violin, there's like a whole string section. And Harold, I think originally when we demoed that song, like loosely arranged the string parts. And then we reached out to um, our friends, John and Natalie, um, John, they're a couple. And John is a longstanding person who's been playing in bands and going to shows on long Island. He plays in uh, 
Morass's other band, Draw the Line. Um, and he's played a bunch of other bands through the years and stuff. And he also, I believe, was... I, John, I'm sorry if I fucking botched this, but I think he was a Juilliard graduate. Um, but he, he is of high status as a, a musician. And um, so, you know, he, he knows he knows his shit. And they came to Long Island one day, uh, literally just for the day. I believe they were in Maryland at the time. And they popped in, tracked songs, and then went home. And they, they killed it. Like, John rearranged everything. They knew the parts, like, pretty well. Like, like they, I, I think they had it figured out you know pretty pretty easily not that there was all that much to track it's only in the second verse and and the end but they really fucking made the song so special and it, it adds to the fucking climax and the drama of it all and the intensity of it all like that song would not be the same without them yeah that, that's awesome i'm glad you guys wanted to you know uh, kind of go on that extra step and make it that much more special bringing in those instruments that you don't really hear um in hardcore yeah for sure, for sure, and yeah, we knew it would be like. I don't. I don't think I haven't seen anyone like hate on it explicitly or anything, but we knew it would potentially be like a divisive thing. Like uh, in general, I think this record, there, uh, it's very possible that like you hear it and maybe only like one out of the four songs because each song sounds different from one another. But we like that. That was kind of the point. We wanted this record to be like a sampler of like look at all the fucking things we can do and watch it all make sense together. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you guys so, uh, did it right because, uh, like, other like other bands have uh, you know tried that and it doesn't really work out, but uh, you guys managed to make it work, and it, it, I I think it's awesome. Yeah, dude, for sure. Thank you. I, I obviously again appreciate that, and I'm fucking psyched on how it came out. Yeah. Um, World We Claim in particular was like, we we tried we tried a couple of different like acoustic type ballad songs, and this was the one that just had that fucking light bulb moment and. I love it. I love I love the fucking bars I wrote. I'm very proud of the lyrics. I'm very proud of the fucking, you know, what Harold put together for this song and, you know, the string section and everything. It feels like the perfect conclusion to a a you know, unexpectedly short EP. Um in so many ways like just a very grand impactful way to wrap up a pretty short release and I'm it seems like people really like it. The general consent I mean, I can't see hate I, mm -hmm. I'm only see what my friends post or what I happen to like check up on the internet here or there. Um, because again, I try and just don't get hyper vested and all that shit anyways. But like I see mostly what the positive things people say and, and I appreciate that people are feel attached to the song already in whatever ways, because it's definitely like the most ambitious Koyo song we've done so far for sure. Hell yeah. And uh, I'm curious, have you uh, seen the insert photos for the record? Yes, yes. So for the insert, we uh, we took pictures with uh, all, all like the promos and stuff you've been seeing re recently are all through uh, Becca later. She's like a photographer on Long Island, uh, longstanding LIHC head. She's fucking awesome. I've uh, been going to shows for a long time, uh, taking photos of shows for a long time. And uh, she uh, she was just down as hell to do it for us. You know, took all the pics and we used she took like portrait shots for each member of the band. And the insert of the uh, record is uh, just the lyrics. It's uh, portraits of each band member. Um, the background is kind of like the the deck in Sunken Meadow where we took the pictures. Um, uh, just kind like us like walking over the deck, I guess, from that photo shoot. It's kind of like put in the background, and then just like some dedications to uh, 
my my friend uh our friend Sean's father passed away during this whole time and uh uh someone who was close to Vane, Auntie Val, uh was close to me and everyone, you know, everyone just loved her. Uh, and she, you know, treated me like family. She also unfortunately passed away during this time. So we we left a small dedication section for the two of them because that was two people I had a lot of love for and people close to me had a lot of, a lot of love for. And it just I don't know, like there we could have like posted some long thank you or whatever section for a lot of things, but like to me that's that's all that mattered was just fucking finding a way to slip that in and just pay some fucking tribute to people who held held me down, held people I care about down, and uh played a fucking important part in my life in one way or another. I I, I love and miss them both and you know, got a love for a lot of love for all people affected by that as well. But that's that's pretty much the insert. That's like the whole lay of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your loss, but I'm happy that you're able to, you know, give them that little section to, you know, uh, kind of show love forever. Of course, See, that that was the idea. It was like, yo, like a thousand records get pressed, you know, or however many fucking thousand records get pressed ever. It's like that will be in a thousand people's hands forever. That matters to me. So yeah. it it felt like a good opportunity to pay some much needed tribute, you know. Yeah, no, no, it's awesome, and I'm happy you guys were able to do that. I w- wanted to ask you about the record release weekend. Um, a couple things I was curious about. Uh, it, it's happening at uh, two different venues. W- was there ever um, the idea of just doing it at one, two nights in a row, or did you want to have it at, at two different spots? Um, we definitely wanted it to be at two different spots. Uh, the idea was truly um, to, uh, what's the word? have one show be a little more catering to like melodic bands on Long Island at the time, like standstill who just came out and like rule them all. And, uh, obviously yes, Duke, um, uh, the, the, I, and shackled obviously on the show too, but they're not melodic, but the, the idea was like, do a show that is frankly more about sounding good and more about like having bands like, sonic value cut through which is you'll get that at amh a lot more because they have a proper sound system and the room sounds good and then we also wanted to do a show where it's like let let's let every let's let no rules just let people do whatever fucked up thing they want to do give them a bunch of bands to fucking dance to give them an opportunity to like if they if they felt inclined i'm not counting on this but if they want to go crazy for koyo you can do that at shakers pub you can do whatever the fuck you want at shakers pub it's long Island's no rules venue so we, we built the lineups accordingly. I mean, you can do whatever you want the AMA show too, but it's just, it's more of a chill vibe comparatively, lineup-wise. Okay, and a, a couple questions. Uh, a while back, I had asked you about Living Weapon, and you were uh, pretty coy about it. Uh, and I'm curious, can you speak on it or at this point? Um, or I, I, It's been talked about a little bit publicly by other people, so I, I guess I can just say a, a very brief things about it. It's it's John from Vane's new band. He sings in the band. It is very fucking crazy music. Um, it's aggressive. It's chaotic. It's technical. It's heavy as fuck. There's there's shit that will just fucking blow your mind at a musicianship level, and there's shit you can absolutely just fuck it up to, and uh, and dance to. So it, in general, it's it, it's amazing. Like I've actually just spent like three weeks with John and like everyone in Vane. I was up in there new apartment uh, where they live and we were listening to living weapon all the time. The, it's actually amazing. I think it's coming out this month. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on that, 
I might be wrong. Uh, if you happen to have made it this far in the pod and you hear that and that's of interest to you, keep eyes out. Uh, probably coming out this month, I believe, on Closed Casket, but TBD. But that, that band's fucking amazing. It's so good, and I'm so fucking psyched that they're going to play the Shaker show because it is like the ultimate contrast to Koyo, but still makes sense because those are my fucking brothers. Those family, those are people I'm fucking close with and care endlessly about, and they will play music that is just about as far away from Koyo as you can get aside from the innate DNA of being a fucking hardcore band, and it will make sense, and it will be the fucking illest day. Living Weapon rules. I'm so excited about it. Okay, and then uh, w- one other question. I was curious, um, at the show at, at Shakers, were, will there be chili cheese dogs available? You know, for a moment, for only a brief second, I was like, maybe we should do that as homage to uh, the OG, but no, there will be no chili cheese dogs. It will oh, simply be, okay. it'll simply be dancing and dives. That's it. Okay. You know, no, no chili cheese dogs. No food served of any kind. Just chaos and and uh, and ill-intended behavior from all. <laughs> that's, that's what we're working with, for sure. And no, but but I'm uh, and on, on a serious note, I'm happy to see uh, you know the Shakers Pub, the, the venue survive, and here we are. I'm pretty much uh, uh, you know I'm out of COVID, uh, and things are you know going again. Like you're able to have this uh, you know one of the record release uh, shows there. Uh, no gimmicks, just a normal thing going on. So I'm you know happy to see that happening. Yeah. No, dude, for sure, for sure. I'm very psyched that Shakers made it through. And I have a lot of shows I kind of laid out for for the uh, for the fall and stuff there. Just shows I booked, other Koyo-related shows. There's there's a plan for the fall for sure. So I'm, I'm psyched Shakers is down and ready to get back to it. They've actually been doing shows pretty much all summer now. Once, once all things were good with vaccinations and stuff. Like, it's not particularly shows I go to often. I, I haven't been to any yet. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more in, like, the Long Island beatdown scene, which I, I personally, I love beatdown, just not particularly the bands that play those shows. No diss to any of those bands or the few people I know who play those shows. But none of the bands have actually particularly caught me, truthfully. However, generally speaking, dope shit. Psych for all them. Psych they can do shows. Psych people are down. Yada, 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 you know. I, I I can't help but feel that sounds like a diss, but <laughs> it's no diss. It's no diss. Truly, like they're they're all fucking doing their thing, having okay. fun. Like I'm no hater. I just don't particularly care for the bands. Okay, that's fair. So it just ain't for me. That's all. So, that that's why I haven't went. Like it's it's the idea is like oh it's close enough to my house. Maybe I could go. I just pop in, say what's good. Like you know maybe I will at some point. But generally speaking, there's just been no bands where I was like. Oh, I'm psyched. I'm going to go, you know, and that's a no diss to those bands. Maybe they'll put something out down the line that'll make me psyched on it. I mean, I love fucking mosh metal and beat down and shit. I love heavy and violent shit, but their their particular brands of heavy and violent shit just didn't uh, cater to me yet. So maybe it will down the line. So Koyo is traveling to North Carolina for a, a benefit show for Hannah and I'm, uh, you know, stoked that you guys are uh, going to be a part of um, uh, the benefit show. Um, forgive me for I, I'm not sure what the benefits exactly for, but I'm just happy to see um, you guys, uh, you know, hitting the road and uh, playing a show with some awesome bands from that area. Yeah, dude, for sure. I'm fucking psyched on that, and and I think that's actually going to turn into a little weekend uh, with life's question and insanity. Um, I can't divulge the uh, the details of that yet, but it's it's probably gonna be figured out soon 
Mm-hmm. But I, I'm I'm psyched on that. I, the show's obviously for an amazing cause and a whole fucking roster of dope ass bands. Um, I'm very excited to play, and I think now that she won't be, I was gonna say that might be our first time in North Carolina, but that's not true. We're probably gonna be in North Carolina in September instead. But either way, I'm I'm psyched for that show. I'm psyched to be a part of something so fucking awesome because it's obviously for an insanely fucking good cause and for people you know they're cared about and we care about and. I'm I'm totally jacked up on it. It's going to be an awesome time. And I'm curious about uh, plans uh, for Koyo. I, I have to ask for all my friends out here on the West Coast, is there any chance or any plans for Koyo to come out West? Um, I can't speak in detail yet um, for obvious reasons, but I've before I would have told you yes, definitively, but I got some texts today that might imply not within the year okay. so to to be determined um if everything goes the way we originally planned then yes we will we will probably be on the west coast in like november um but if things don't go the way they plan which is kind of the read of the room i'm getting via my text messages right now uh it, it looks like the tour that we had to go out there might end up being shortened or rerouted for different places so i hope so i want to play fucking west coast so bad like obviously there's so many friends out there i'd love to see so many bands i'd love to play with yada yada i haven't been out there at all i was actually supposed to go to la for the dead heat show i had i had a plane ticket and everything but like plans got fucked up and i couldn't make it anymore so i'm i'm itching to go to california for real um so we'll we'll get we're definitely gonna get out there we're 100 percent touring out there at some point where we're actually shifting we're kind of in a pivot where like I think next year we're actually going to be like touring probably full time or if not close to, we're actually kind of like ramping up in terms of the, the tour game, quote unquote, if you would. Mm-hmm. So then things are looking up in that regard. We will be to California soon and we will get, we will play there multiple times over the years. Like I know there's a bright future for us ahead in terms of getting out there. Um, but the only plan we had for the year was one tour in November that I think might be shifting up to be determined. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you. Uh, speaking on that, uh, but uh, it's something that I'm uh, dreaming of. Koyo out here in uh, any venue, it, it would be so sick. Yeah, dude, I I fucking I hope so. Sooner than later, you know, it's definitely um, it's not out of the question. It's part of the plan. In fact, it just is going to take a little time to figure out. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get to it. the The fall itself is kind of laid out for us. We have like an East Coast tour planned in September. We're going to announce probably this month. Um. We have a uh, the tour that I'm talking about that's getting rerouted in November. Mm-hmm. We have like two Long Island, a Long Island and Brooklyn show in December that I again ha- can't announce yet, but we'll get there. Um, and then we have like the uh, the benefit show weekend that will be announced soon. And then we have one other weekend I cannot speak on yet, but will be able to speak on soon that will be awesome and that's going to be like a northeast weekend so we're going to be around a lot we're definitely going to be accessible to people who want to see us in various settings we're just kind of still figuring it all out you know mm-hmm. no that, i'm sure that's great news for a lot of people who haven't had a chance to see you guys live yet so that, that that's awesome to hear for sure like if you want to see koyo in the next six months you'll probably be able to see us even if the west coast thing doesn't happen there's other plans that like could make it possible. And if not this year, good news is we'll be, we'll be running next year. We'll, we'll be making it happen. So, you know, people will get a chance for sure. 
Okay. Well, Joey, this has been uh, a, another pleasure of mine. Talking to you is always great. I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time, especially um, since the record just came out yesterday. I, I definitely appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast and just uh, speaking on it in depth because uh, hearing about every aspect of the record, it, it's, it's been fun for me. Yeah, dude, thank you for having me, obviously. And thank you for like being willing to fucking pick my brain on that shit and let me, you know, ramble on for a little bit because honestly you know like the reality is like koyo means fucking more to me than anything on planet earth right now it's it's my fucking it's our collective as a band baby like every single part of it is vested in some type of fucking meaning or artistry or like attempt at doing something fucking cool that matters to us so it's like i could talk about it for days man i, I love chopping it up and as much as i want people to get lost in the mystique and try and figure things out for themselves i have no problem just being like here's what this is, you know, because it, it gets me psyched to just kind of like show my hand. Oh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. And I'm sure it's fun for people to get your perspective, but also, you know, still have their own perspective. But but before we sign off, is there anything else you would like to say or shout out? Um, Yeah, yeah. So I. Obviously, thank you to anyone who's copped a record Um, at this time, like the rarest variant sold out the second rarest is almost gone and then the blue out of 500 is starting to chip away that's like the least rare so i appreciate anyone who copped a seven inch um that's fucking dope it means a lot to me and all of us uh obviously we have those record release shows august 20th and august 22nd on long island dope lineups fucking find our social media yada yada um and obviously love to both long island and everyone who fucking reps long island hardcore and love to my fucking family in massachusetts the whole extended Merrimack Valley fucking Bane squad. Everyone in that group is fucking family to me and I fucking miss them and love them. And of course, shout out to my fucking Stony Brook family, my day ones, my brothers, the people that mean the absolute fucking most to me on planet earth. I love all y'all. And, uh, one more concluding thing. In addition to Koyo, be on the lookout in coming months for an additional new band from me. That is nothing like Koyo with, uh, the fucking, famed long island perino brothers kings of fucking making my shit uh that will come down the line more details to come in many months so that's that peace much love all right well there you guys have it thank you again for tuning in this has been super awesome and we'll be back soon 